This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I'm Tyrus. I'm Liz Clayman. I'm Greg Jarrett. And this is the Fox News Rundown. Friday, June 30th, 2023. I'm Lisa Brady. The Supreme Court ends race-based college admissions. So now what? I think that this is going to be really tough for universities to navigate, but the court has warned them end-arounds are illegal and they won't be tolerated. We speak with Fox's Shannon Bream. I'm Chris Foster. Not even July yet and heat records are falling and smoke from Canadian wildfires could come and go for months. We have to prepare ourselves that this might be a little bit more of the norm as we go through the next few years. And I'm Brian Kilmeade. I've got the final word on the Fox News Rundown. In a landmark decision, the U.S. Supreme Court says race can no longer be used in college admissions, striking down affirmative action programs that supporters argue are still needed to ensure equal opportunity. I've always believed that the promise of America is big enough for everyone to succeed and that every generation of Americans, we have benefited by opening the doors of opportunity just a little bit wider to include those who've been left behind. President Biden says he strongly disagrees with the decision and that it shouldn't be the last word. What I propose for consideration is a new standard where colleges take into account the adversity a student has overcome when selecting among qualified applicants. He's directing the education and justice departments to offer guidance on what policies are still allowed by law. The president also says this Supreme Court is not normal, later clarifying that was a reference to more than one decision undoing decades of precedent. Edward Bloom is president of the nonprofit Students for Fair Admissions, which brought the lawsuits against Harvard and the University of North Carolina on behalf of Asian American students, arguing they were being held to a selectively higher standard than many black and Hispanic students. These discriminatory admissions practices undermined the integrity of our civil rights laws. Bloom also says ending other preferences, including legacy and donor-related admissions, is long overdue. In yesterday's rulings, the opposing justices accused the court of rolling back decades of progress. Justice Ketanji Brown-Jackson writing that deeming race irrelevant in law does not make it so in life. But Chief Justice John Roberts says what dissenters suggest is a judiciary that picks winners and losers based on skin color, also noting that nothing in the ruling prohibits schools from considering an application's discussion of how race affected their life. So essentially what they did in a 6-3 to three decision and the second companion case, 6-2, to two, which Justice Jackson had to recuse from that one because she had uh, served on the Board of Overseers for Harvard, one of the parties to these cases. Fox News Sunday host and chief legal correspondent Shannon Bream was at the Supreme Court as the opinions were released. But they said essentially these programs that Harvard and UNC were using, considering race as one of a holistic set of factors in, in letting applicants in or, you know, carving them out, It wasn't constitutional. Um, You know, the chief justice writing for the majority said essentially universities have done this all wrong. We should be treating students and applicants on the basis of his or her experience as an individual, not on the basis of race. And he said that's what these policies were doing. It's unconstitutional. 
Wow. One of the key points in the dissent, though, is that the United States has never been colorblind. Does that Mm -hmm. accuse the majority opinion of ignoring racism? Well, I mean, it is possible. There's a lot of heated back and forth language between the majority and the dissent, and there were a number of concurrences as well. Um, Justice Thomas writes in his concurrence as well, which is longer than the majority opinion, he says, I am painfully aware of the social and economic ravages which have befallen my race and all who suffer discrimination. So he says, listen, I get it. I get that people are hurt by that, disadvantaged by that. But he says, I hold out hope that this country is going to live up to the principles enunciated in the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. And he says, everyone's created equal. They're all equal citizens and must be treated equally before the law. The suggestion seeming to stem from the way that Harvard and UNC was doing these things didn't comport with treating everybody equally regardless of their race. Former President Obama released a statement on this, and he makes the argument that other reasons for special consideration are accepted, writing, quote, so often we just accept that money, power and privilege are perfectly justifiable forms of affirmative action, while kids growing up like I did are expected to compete when the ground is anything but level. So for many Americans, this question of fairness really cuts both ways on this issue. Well, and a lot of folks will say that it is about class and income and connections and being part of that Ivy League network just as much as it is about anything or more so. So, you know, there are those who will say, okay, that means that people of all races and all different backgrounds, if they're not part of that wealthy elite, they are disadvantaged more so on the basis of class than they are in anything else. The university is putting out statements that are going to continue to try to build very diverse bodies in every way that we can. We will follow the law on these rulings, but we also are going to do what we can to keep our bodies of students diverse. Where critics say you got to do it also on the basis of income and that kind of gap exists as well. There is some nuance, though, right, correct, in the majority opinion. I think um, Chief Justice Roberts, Mm -hmm. um, when he was sort of pushing back on what he knew was coming in the dissent, kind of made the point that you you could still consider race related Mm -hmm. issues, but just not race on itself. Is, Is that do I have that right? Yeah, I mean, essentially, it's, there can't be a box to check. There can't be a quota or a number. We're, we're admitting X number of certain group of students basis, on the basis of their race. But he said this doesn't do anything to stop students from sharing their personal experiences, their hurts, their challenges, things they've overcome in these personal essays. And certainly at times that's going to be tied to issues of race or nationality, those kinds of things. But he also cautioned this is not an end around. Schools cannot use those personal essays as an end around what we've told them at the core of this ruling, which is there can't be some kind of checklist or criteria that includes race for letting someone in or out of that next class. That sounds like it could become a fine line. I mean, are there ways that colleges and universities can get around this ruling if they do things like leaning on zip codes or key words in Mm -hmm. essays? Do you think that more legal challenges are inevitable? I do think they are. Anytime you have something this sweeping and there are millions of people impacted, you know, there are going to be applicants out there watching to see what happens to them when they go to these schools, um, when they go to any higher education outfit here in the United States. And many of them will watch to see, do I have perfect test scores and a perfect GPA and this really flushed out a resume of all kinds of, you know, community experience and those kinds of things. And I don't get in. They're going to want to see the numbers. Um, So I think that this is going to be really tough for universities to navigate. But the court has warned them end arounds are illegal and they won't be tolerated. How does this ruling impact 
historically black colleges and universities. Do you think we could see a change in who's admitted at those schools or maybe even higher enrollment rates because of this ruling? We well, you know all these schools say that what they want is to have a diverse student body where they can learn from each other and that they're going to continue going through, um, you know, race based criteria where it makes sense for them to look at it. The court has just made it very clear that that cannot be the deciding factor for letting someone in or out. Because one of the schools involved in these affirmative action cases is private and the other public, mm -hmm. does that make it more likely that this decision could have wider ranging impacts on educational and other institutions around the country? In other words, is it a deadly blow to affirmative action in general? Well, it certainly is in the issue of higher education. Uh, the fact that there were two, you know, the private and the public were brought here. Almost every private school in this country does accept federal funding as well. And so that is the common linchpin with um, the Harvard and the UNC cases, that there was federal money involved. And so that gets you to the argument of, you know, government action or government endorsement of action. So, yeah, I mean, just about every higher ed you know, institution in this country is going to have to digest this thing, look at their admissions policies and make sure they're in compliance. Could this impact corporations that have DEI initiatives? Will employers be forced to rethink their efforts to diversify a workforce? I mean, I think that would be a stretch because these cases were so specifically tailored to the higher education um, arena. Now, I, that's not to say that I don't think somebody could take this ruling and say, like, as the Supreme Court found in these particular higher ed cases, that opens the question about other initiatives like corporate and others. I think you'd have a hard time saying that this is any kind of direct um, application to that, but I'm quite sure that you will see cases that will attempt to do that or at least say this reasoning on that case, let's apply it this way when it comes to corporate. Did previous decisions lay the groundwork for this ruling? In other words, is it something that's not out of the blue as some big decisions might sometimes feel to anyone who doesn't you know, follow mm -hmm. all of the court's decisions? Yeah, I mean, the court has been tackling this issue of higher ed admissions policies for decades. And there have been some decisions along the way the last few years and, and when I've been covering the court that seemed like it was inching us closer to this moment where they would actually say, okay, we're gonna give you a bright line, can race be used, yes or no. There's been, there have been earlier decisions that have toyed with, okay, it can be holistic, but it can't be a quota. You know, there's been a lot of development over the last 20 years or so. And so that gets us to this moment. And I think it has to do always with the makeup of the court, because if you hadn't had these three justices that were appointed by uh, then President Trump, I'm not sure they would have taken this up with a different court makeup. And I think the you would have to say the result would almost certainly be different if those three justices had been appointed by, say, a President Hillary Clinton. The ruling on affirmative action may overshadow um, another very closely watched decision on religious liberty. And this mm -hmm. one was unanimous, right, in favor of a Pennsylvania postal worker who won a fight over faith-based rights in the workplace. He had been disciplined for refusing to work on Sundays. Are you surprised that was unanimous? I think it was a little bit, but then when I read the decision, and it's somewhat narrow, um, I can see how they got there. Um, this court is a big protector of uh, constitutional rights, and that includes, you know, this issue of religious liberty. Um, this worker, when he started working for the Postal Service, they didn't have Sunday delivery. And so when that started up, he said to them, you know, it's going to be an issue for me. To me, the Sabbath is Sunday. I go to my church services. I don't believe in working on that day as an evangelical Christian. 
It worked for a while. There were some workarounds with having other people fill in, finding people to cover a shift, all of these things. And then when it became apparent that the Postal Service was not willing to continue working down that road with him and he was not willing to come in and work on Sundays, they got to an impasse and there was discipline. There were all kinds of things involved. And, you know, what the court had to look at is they were looking to an older decision that said, you know, if there's anything beyond the bare minimum that an employer has to do, then they don't have to accommodate this. The decision from the court takes that further and says, no, you actually have to make a showing of, you know, a significant burden on you as an employer or else you have to work with this employee and try to make this work. So essentially this case really expands what employers have to consider, the burden they have to consider. When an employee comes to them with a religious liberty objection to something, the employer's got to take more of a burden to try to meet that need. A ruling on the president's student loan forgiveness plan is due out now. One of the biggest of this term could get, could that get hung up on the question of Mm -hmm. standing? Yes, it absolutely could. You make such a good point because we will find out what happens with the student loan debt forgiveness plan by the Biden administration that involves tens of millions of borrowers. Can it just be wiped out by an executive decision? Well, there's a standing issue potentially here. There were a group of states who sued and a couple of individual borrowers who sued. And a great deal of the time of arguments was spent on this issue of standing, are these the right legal parties? Are they in the right position to come and challenge this this um, executive action? You know, many of us who sat through those arguments thought this standing issue is going to be a real tough one for the plaintiffs. They may never get to the merits of the case. But the longer they held on to this case, the more I thought, gosh, would they keep it all these months and save it to the last day and then tell us, well, we don't get to the merits because of a standing issue. Anything could happen. But that's a very real concern for these plaintiffs. If they rule against the debt forgiveness. Does that kill Mm -hmm. it outright or could Congress intervene? Well, they could. But remember, the House and Senate both voted to overturn this debt forgiveness plan. And the president vetoed it, as you would expect him to do. And they don't have the votes to override the veto. But I would not expect if I'm the Biden administration and I potentially lose this case to expect Congress to come help out with this because they didn't like at least the plan constituted by the president. There are other measures on the Hill that deal with student loan issues, but it's not a blanket wipeout like the president has proposed. Fox chief legal correspondent and host of Fox News Sunday, Shannon Bream. Thank you so much for your time. Great to be with you. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This is Brian Kilmeade with your Fox News commentary coming up. What's considered dangerously hot weather will be sticking around in parts of the South until at least the middle of next week. The top of your earlobe, I didn't know, could sweat, but it can. And then you have that to worry about, too, because you got to stop and cool off and clean all that up. She owns a restaurant in Houston. Unhealthy air in parts of the North and East should be mostly blown out in time for this Fourth of July holiday weekend. It's made it less pleasant to work outside in Brown Deer, Wisconsin. You know, you could feel it in my chest and... Uh... It felt like you smoked a bunch of cigarettes. Job's got to get done somehow. A lot of coughing, and I'm, I don't usually cough. The smoke from wildfires in Canada has come and gone for weeks, picking back up again in the upper Midwest a few days ago. It's historic across Canada. Fox senior meteorologist Janice Dean. We've got 
over 300 wildfires burning that extend from the West Coast across the prairies into eastern Canada, the Maritime Provinces, which is crazy, especially for this time of year. And then we also have over 19 million acres burning, which is a record for that country. At the moment, the air is worse in the United States than it is in Canada. What's been bringing the smoke down to us and close this close to the ground? It's an area of low pressure right now across the Great Lakes, which is the same setup that we had a couple of weeks ago. However, we're not getting, you know, the orange haze that we got in New York with the worst air quality we've ever had in New York City a couple of weeks what ago. Causes, what causes that orange? The orange is just the sunlight through the particles of the smoke, okay. right? Refraction that you yeah. learn in school. So that's what kind of gives it that orange red hue. But that low pressure is anchored across the Great Lakes and the counterclockwise motion, those winds around that area of low pressure is what's drawing that smoke southward. And I'm also going to say that it's very hard to forecast smoke where the smoke is in the upper levels of atmosphere. It's easier to track an area of low pressure and where that's going to go than the smoke particles. Really difficult. I assume the fires are nowhere near being extinguished. No. So is this just going to be a thing that happens periodically for the next whatever months? Yes. The answer is yes. The problem is I can't tell you where those steering mechanisms are going to be and how bad it's going to be for what place. Is it going to be the Northeast? Is it going to be the upper Midwest? But I will tell you this kind of pattern is going to cause the same type of smoke situation for all of these same cities like Detroit and Chicago. Um, Yesterday, we had such low visibility that caused problems. So not only do you have the smoke, the respiratory issues that we are concerned with, but for travel, it's going to be difficult to travel. And we're coming up on a holiday weekend. How's that looking? Because there's the knock-on effect, too. I mean, if you can't see in Newark, then you that screws up flights all over the country. Yes. So the conditions will improve. We actually have some thunderstorms that moved through the upper Midwest yesterday and overnight. And even though that has the potential to cause severe weather, it's also clearing the smoke towards the East Coast. So the Northeast, unfortunately, is going to get kind of the worst of it today. Heading into the weekend, things are going to dissipate a little bit. But we are getting the smoke as far south as Atlanta, Georgia. This government has this scale. Uh, We talk about unhealthy air starting in the middle or a little past the middle. Unhealthy for sensitive groups, unhealthy, very unhealthy, hazardous. What's unhealthy? What's hazardous? Well, hazardous is basically if you have any kind of respiratory issues, you have to heed the warnings and stay inside and know what the high risk groups are. You know, small kids, elderly, people with respiratory issues, asthma, that kind of thing. And, you know, even a couple of weeks ago, I could taste it. I had a sore throat. So your body will tell you what's happening, you know, if you've been outside too long and Listen to the local officials because this can have long-term effects. That's what I was going to ask. I mean, they say, oh, it's like smoking a half pack of cigarettes or whatever it is. Okay, well, if you smoke a half pack of cigarettes, it's going to be uncomfortable maybe, but you're going to feel you're going to be fine. Mm -hmm. How much of a cumulative effect does this take compared to, let's say, if you live in wildfire country or your husband's a firefighter? Mm Mm-hmm. They're exposed to this stuff more often. Right. But they have protection, right? right? They have PPE and they have, you know, masks that they wear, especially firefighters that go out and battle this 
all the time. I don't know that we know the long-term effects right now. You know, we can certainly go back to California and places that typically get wildfires during this time of year. I've had a lot of folks say to me, "Welcome to my, you know, my, my side of the country where we do get wildfires." I think it's just a case of you have to, you know, be aware of, you know, the issues and, you know, know what your body is doing and how it deals with this kind of thing. You know, you can listen to officials, but you're in charge of your family. Yeah. You know, you're the one that has to deal with the consequences. And so I try to remind, especially parents, you know, pregnant ladies, too, they have to be really careful with this kind of thing. And this the smoke particulates, you know, can get through masks and get into your lungs. So stuff like keeping kids inside at summer camps, perfectly reasonable and smart. Oh, of course. You know, and I think. Listen, a couple of weeks ago in New York City, when it looked like the apocalypse, it was scary and people didn't really know what to do, right? So they're kind of panicking. Oh, yeah. Well, we were, I was looking around for Godzilla to come out of the river. Right. It was, a, it was weird. And then there's also questions about air conditioning. You want to make sure that the air is being circulated within your home, not from the outside. That's really important, right? So these are things that we're just kind of learning now, especially areas that don't typically deal with this kind of smoke. What about areas that do typically deal with, like if you live in wildfire country, is the smoke often coming back close to the ground there or is it just something that goes up? Mm, It's a good question. I think, again, it depends on what the steering mechanisms are and how bad the wildfires are. I mean, last year across California, they were particularly bad. You know, I just, I don't know that we know the long-term effects yet. I think we just have to listen to our doctors and and when they say, listen, you know, this is harmful. I will say this, Chris, that worries me a little bit. On social media, a lot of people are saying, this smoke smells different. It doesn't smell like wood. It smells like tires and some kind of chemical. And that also concerns me because I Do we know what's on fire? You know what I mean? And Canada, by the way, they don't have the resources like California does. They just don't. A lot of these fires, they tend to let burn and burn themselves out. And they don't have the firefighting power that a lot of these areas typically have that deal with wildfires every single year. It's funny you say that about the smell. I was talking to somebody when it was really bad here in New York City a couple weeks ago who'd spent time in Iraq, Afghanistan during the wars, and they said, that's what it smells like. Wow. And and you know what? That's a story we're going to have to pay attention to. And that yeah. that's a that would be a whole different can of worms to open. Something going on less rare is this heat wave in the South. It's expanding, but I'll, I'll say it's in the South. How bad is it? How atypical is it? I know some people are talking about, wow, it's, it's a lot warmer at night than it usually mm-hmm. is. Oh, absolutely. When you've got, you know, temperatures in the 80s and very high dew points, that's the humidity in the atmosphere. You know, your body has a mechanism to try to cool itself off and that's sweating, right? But when you have a humidity level, you know, the dew points in the 60s and 70s, your body can't function properly when it's outside. You know, it can't sweat. It can't cool itself off. And this is very early for us to be hitting not only record highs, uh, but record humidity as well. I think, you know, in Texas, we had real field temperatures of 124 to 128. And this has been going on for three weeks now. You know, heat wave is typically, you know, five to seven days of very hot temperatures. Um, And we've already had deaths in Texas. This is very early. And the fact that they are setting records for areas that typically feel hot temperatures, that's also very significant. Yes. I mean, people die every summer and it could be a lot of people 
yes. dying this summer. Yeah, I mean, it's relentless. And it's because we're kind of stuck in this weather pattern that doesn't move, right? This area of low pressure across the Great Lakes, that's kind of been a pattern. And then this high pressure, this dome of high pressure that has been anchored across Texas and Louisiana, that's kind of you know spreading out a little bit more over the Gulf Coast in the next couple of days. And we are getting into a holiday weekend, a holiday next week. People are going to be traveling. You know, this is concerning. There are a lot of extreme weather situations that people have to be aware of. This might be an unanswerable question. Is this just the same weather patterns that have been happening since the dawn of time? Or is this sort of a new normal where fire season is just all the time? Mm. This is abnormal to see all of these fires burning across Canada. It's been very dry. You know, there hasn't been a lot of rainfall. Look at the Northeast, by the way. We had hardly any snow. That snow helps us in the summertime months because it adds moisture to the ground, right? And when you have really dry conditions that have not had the snowpack or the rain that they they need to see, typically this time of year, it's a perfect setup for wildfires. But we have to prepare ourselves that this might be a little bit more of the norm as we go through the next few years, you know. I always say with a caveat here that a five-day forecast is really hard for us to like (laughs) nail. So it's really hard for me to sit here and tell you this is going to be the new normal, but it's something that we have to be mindful of. Finally, not to pile on, we're a month-ish almost into hurricane season. How's that looking so far? Well, that's been (laughs) interesting as well. We set some records with a couple of storms, Brett and Cindy, that formed east of the Lesser Antilles, just off the coast of Africa. And that is early in the season to see that kind of development. That typically happens in August and September. Is that a harbinger of things to come? We'll have to see. Uh, But, you know, we've already had a couple of named storms. It only takes one to make it a really bad year. We're predicting around an average year, but I always say take that with a grain of salt because, like I said, we can't even nail a (laughs) five-day forecast. Fox News Senior Meteorologist Janice Dean. Uh, Janice, enjoy your fourth. Thank you, too. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Put the power of over 100 meteorologists and the worldwide resources of Fox in your hands with the Fox Weather Podcast. Precise, personal, powerful. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. It's time for your Fox News commentary. Brian Kilmeade. What's on your mind? Let's talk politics 2024 GOP field. I love the makeup. I love all of these men and women. I mean, to see the positive Nikki Haley. Who's not impressed with 37-year-old Vivek Ramaswamy? Tim Scott and his life story and his comfortability on any stage. Chris Christie can argue and debate anyone in the country at any point at any time, let alone Mike Pence. Does anyone doubt his credentials and his resume? And as you look down, I see Will Hurd, nine years in the CIA, the governor of North Dakota. I mean, this is quality stuff, quality field. And they all want to do one thing. They want to supplant Donald Trump. And here's my advice to a very worthy, astute crowd. Stop hitting President Trump at his strength. 
You will never get him about firing Anthony Fauci. He sidelined him. You will never get him because he didn't do a good job with immigration. Nobody worked harder, tried more policies, went through more people that were ineffective in his mind than him. He even had the controversial child separation policy to discourage people from coming. He got Mexico to put 20,000 Marines on the border because he threatened tariffs on them to the chagrin of just about everyone. You're never going to touch him when it comes to his strengths. Tax cuts. Yes, he's vulnerable on a few things. Volatility. Comfortability. How about bringing people together? Maybe if you think that you could spend less. Maybe you feel as though you're more presidential. Maybe you looked at his four years and could point out different ways along the way in which you would have done a better job for the people that support him the most. This way... You could look at this situation and say, I'm a better alternative. He was great at 45. I want to be the 47th president. But don't go at the President Trump on his strengths. People just shut you off. You hear that, Ron DeSantis? I'm Brian Kilmeade. And that's my thoughts on the Fox News Rundown. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. And now, stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts Plus on Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on Amazon Music. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. Hey, everyone. It's Kennedy, and you can listen to my podcast, Kennedy Saves the World. It's going five days a week on the Fox News Podcast Network. We're bringing you all the fan favorites. Listen on Spotify, Apple, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download podcasts. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table to Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts.